Welcome to the Grace at a Glance podcast from Grace Church of Linnets and Grace Creative. We are a Jesus church where the gospel is central, where we love Jesus, build people, and lead revival. Thanks for joining us. David Hardy, or as your children know me, Pastor David mm, J. Mm, Hardy. Some of you are like, what is he doing up there? Why is he saying that? Well, you have to understand that for three years, I was a traveling youth evangelist, traveling all over the country to camps all over the place. I've been as low as Florida, as high as Upper Peninsula, Michigan, all over this country. And that's how I introduced myself, so I wanted to do that this morning, okay? I'm a little different, (laughs) all right? You're You're gonna catch on to that. And I do things a little different. I don't use slides, okay? So if you would grab your Bibles and please open them to the book of Romans. I love, or your Bible app, that's okay. But as an evangelist, I love hearing the sound of Bibles opening and pages turning. That is wonderful. Romans 6, Romans 6, we'll be starting with verse 15 this morning. You know, the Apostle Paul says that there are two kinds of people in this world. Two kinds of people in this world. Slaves to sin and slaves to righteousness. We're going to take a look here. Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 15. What then shall we say? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from the heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you would illuminate your word. Lord, I pray that you would work in a mighty, in a profound way, in a supernatural way this morning. God, that we would surrender all to you. Lord, guide and direct as you see fit. Lord, ask us the tough questions. Give us the tough answers. In your precious and holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. None of us like to think of ourselves as slaves. We don't enjoy that. We, don't want, we want to think of ourselves with full autonomy. We want to think of ourselves as the captain of our own destiny. We want to believe that our decisions, you know, ultimately are up to us. But here Paul is saying that either sin controls you or God controls you. He uses a metaphor from that present day that those people would have deeply understood. In the Roman Empire, there were slaves. And those slaves did not have any rights. I mean, we, we can't really wrap our minds around that. We have read about it. We have heard about it. We know that slavery is absolutely terrible and horrible. In that day and age, everybody would have known slaves. They would have interacted with slaves. This letter would have been written to some slaves. As a slave, you had no autonomy. You were an object to be owned. And you were owned. And so Paul's saying here that there's, there's two types of people, those who are slaves to sin, that they have offered their bodies over as instruments of wickedness, that they've lived their entire lives, their entire worldview is about sin and how I can sin more. In a previous ministry that I was a part of, we had Oftentimes we had people who would come in who were massively addicted, okay? Massively addicted, and it was chemical dependency stuff, right? It was, it was stuff that you read about. Maybe you have a family member or you know somebody who is addicted to drugs or something like that. And it was always so unbelievably difficult because you would be talking to this person and sometimes they would seem like they were rational and sometimes they would seem like they were turning a corner or sometimes it would seem like they were doing something but then what would happen is you would find out that they were building all of this because their whole worldview was I have to get back to my drug. I have to, every, every single decision that they made throughout the day was how they could find their next fix, how they could get their next hit, how they could do this thing. Everything was about that. Every choice was about that. Every relationship was about that. Everything sad, yes, unbelievably sad. And we don't want, we don't like to think of ourselves as addicts. We don't like to think of ourselves as being controlled by something, but to see people that are actually in that, I mean, oh my goodness, in that state. Some of you here today, if we're honest, there's some issues. 
There's some sin things. Maybe God has delivered you from that. That there was a history and that you say, I used to be like that, but I am no longer. And, and that's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about this story. You were once dead in your sins. You were once completely enveloped in that. But here's the good news. You, are, you were slaves to that. Now you are slaves to a righteous God. You are slaves now to righteousness. And now your whole thinking should change, right? Your thinking should change. The entirety of who you are should change. All the decisions, all the things that build up, that now you used to chase sin, you used to chase that stuff, but now you should be chasing righteousness. That your whole worldview changes. Paul makes another statement here. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's a very vivid picture. Very vivid picture because wages, I remember when I was young and I was working my first job at Charlie's Steakery making knockoff Philly hoagies. Okay, I've now had the real thing. It's way better. It's way better. But I remember, you know, slaving away at, you know, 16 years old, making Philly cheesesteaks, making $5.25 an hour. Oh, I know, right? I know. I couldn't wait for my $76 every payday. You know what I mean? But that was a big deal. I remember, I, and I, I, you know, you remember probably very vividly, you remember probably your first job. You'd go, you'd work, you'd slave away, you know, not getting paid maybe every two weeks or something like that, but you would get that paycheck, right? Now, nowadays, a lot of us, it's automatic, you know, deposit, you know, like Thursday night goes in, you're like, oh, that's a number on my phone. But back in the day, you got a piece of paper, right? Like you'd go and open up, because you, and you, I realized I never actually knew how much money I was going to make because the government took some out. You know what I mean? Like you could do, do the math and then you're like, oh, it's less than I thought. It's always less than I thought. It's always pretty sad. But you'd open it up and you'd be like, oh, here it is. Here's my paycheck. This is it. This is it. I'm excited. Paul says that the wages of sin is death. So the wages that sin pays out, so when we invest in sin, it does not pay out in the positive, and it doesn't even pay out in debt, it pays out in death. It would be like you opening up that envelope and it's anthrax, right? It's bad, it's negative. You open up, oh, I'm dead, I'm done. He paints that very vivid picture because He's saying, if you are investing in that, if your life is about that, it's going, you're going to reap something, but what you are going to ultimately reap, it's death. It's death. You think, you think there's going to be something at the end that's going to pay off, but no. It's death. It's negative. It's horrible. Today, we are talking about surrendering everything to God. Surrendering our whole selves, not just a little bit, 
not just a piece or part, not just 10%, but offering our whole selves to God, surrendering ourselves. I, I had a student one time, we we're talking about struggling with sin. And he said to me, and he was in a massive struggle. And he said, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just pray it all away? Am I just supposed to pray and everything gets better? Because I've tried that. I've been caught up in it and I've tried praying and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I'm just so frustrated. And I said to him that day, You, you are supposed to pray. But understand that this is a process of submission. That this is a daily laying down of your will. A daily surrender. And that there will be victories. There will be struggles. But I believe that if every day, that if you submit, that you surrender, that you seek God, and if you start to fill your life with the things of God, with obedience, with righteousness, and you become passionate about the things of Jesus, and you start finding out why you were created, the purpose that you were created for, and you start figuring out your gifts, and you start making a difference, and you start impacting lives, your heart will be full of the things of God and there's gonna be less and less room for sin and disobedience. I'm not saying you'll be perfect, but I'm saying that when you fill your heart with the things of God, when you actively seek to, now hear me on this, when you actively seek to align your will with the will of God, you will see a difference. Most of the time in our lives, we want God to bless our will. We have our thing, our dreams, our aspirations, our investments, our whatever, all this stuff, and we've got all this and we say, and when we pray, we're like, God, please let this work. Why? Because I like it a lot. It would make me feel good if this thing happened. God, please bless this. And that's not actually what we're called to do. We are called to align our will with his will. And then we start seeing life changing. Then we are filled with purpose. 
and we start to, you know, we start to become more and more slaves to righteousness, slaves to obedience, and there's former things, and they pass away. Now, it's not always easy to submit to the will of God. In fact, I would say it's always hard. You wanna, one of the ways to tell if it's the will of God, there's many ways, one of the ways is God asking you to do a hard thing? Is the thing hard? I'm not saying does it come within your gifting, it may, but he's going to ask you to do hard and difficult things. That's part of the surrender. There was this woman years ago I did ministry with. And she would, you know, she did a bunch of kids ministry stuff. And I remember, you know, we partnered with a lot of things and there was a lot of, you know, events and things that we did together and all the different stuff. And I know from our conversations that she, would, she struggled with the will of God. She struggled with the will of God in her life. She always would talk about that. I just, I want to do the will of God. I want to be a part of something. I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. But, you know, I, you know, I've got all these things. And she had options. She had degrees. She had all sorts of stuff, Right? And she would talk about that, and I would listen. I'd say, listen, but things are going really well, and I think there's really an impact and all that different stuff. There's one day that we got the news. She was diagnosed with cancer. And it was a very aggressive cancer. She died. Now, I was a youth pastor, signed up to be a youth pastor, didn't realize how many funerals I would do. Ended up doing a lot of funerals. And I was doing her funeral. My heart's broken. This is a friend, somebody I've done ministry with, somebody that I've, you know, known and so difficult because she was young or relatively young. We've been to those funerals before, right? They're big. Lots of people. Lots and lots. So the night before, I went to the viewing just to be a presence, right? And as people were coming in, I mean, the long lines, all this different stuff, you hear the stories. Like, I believe that one of the greatest moments of clarity in a person's life is when they're dead at the funeral when you're hearing these stories. I, I was, I wasn't shocked but I just kept hearing it, I kept hearing the same story. Like you kept hearing the same song, you kept hearing the same chord again and again and again. People were coming in, and what it was, it was kids. It was kids, but not just kids, but not, and not just kids, but kids who had kids. People who had been impacted 
again and again and again, and they're telling all this different stuff, and they're saying things, and I'm, I'm sitting here listening, and they're saying, oh, she was the most fantastic Sunday school teacher, and she led a one, and she did all these different things, and it was because of her that, you know, I, I put my faith in Jesus. I remember praying with her here, and I remember, and it was just like story after story after story after story after story, and I was in that moment, and I said to myself, as I'm hearing this stuff, I said, Lord, it's almost as if the most important thing she did with her entire life was teach Sunday school. And in that moment, I'm telling you, it was almost audible. Holy Spirit said to me, it's because it was. It's because it was. She wasn't right there seeing the impact that she had made, though I believe that in eternity she will. But if only she could have seen and only if she could have heard those stories of all the good that had come because she surrendered. And listen, it's hard to volunteer and it's hard to do stuff every single week and slug it out. I get it. And it is not glamorous But man, there are immense eternal dividends, right? Like there are stories. That's why we do this. The stories, the impact. She surrendered and she said, this is important. And she filled her life with things of righteousness. That almost, you know, it almost became compulsive maybe even obsessive, but it's so good because it is not the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death, the gift of God, eternal life. And when we are, like when we use our gifts to further the kingdom, because like when you were young, you probably had this understanding of what you wanted to do with your life and all these different things. And you had these gifts and you probably wanted to be, you know, like all my kids nowadays, everybody wants to be a YouTube star, right? That's what everybody wants to be. It's not movie star anymore. It's YouTube, you know, influencer or whatever it is. We, all, we have all these dreams and aspirations and all this different stuff. It's because of gifting, and, and I'm not saying that, that can't be used for the kingdom. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we need to seek and find the will of God, but it may not be that. Statistically, it's probably not. But it's submitting and surrendering and saying, Lord, Lord, I know that I can fill my life with all this stuff and all this junk and all these things, but I'm going to actively seek your kingdom. I'm going to actively seek to impact lives. I'll tell you what, that becomes addictive in a good way. That becomes something that fires you up something that gets you through the hard days. Listen, as, as a youth evangelist, to go out, travel thousands of miles, get to some remote camp in the wilderness somewhere, 
no Wi-Fi, no air conditioning. Should I drink the water? I don't know. (laughs) I'll tell you, there was a moment last year. It's a little girl at a camp. I was able to lead her to Jesus. Her leader brought her up. We prayed. I will never forget this till my dying day. She said, I want to be part of the family of God. I want to be part of the family of God. I prayed with her. She took out her notebook. She opened it up. And she wrote, January 15th at 9.30 p.m., Pine Springs Camp, I gave my life to Jesus. That's exciting, right? That's exciting. People watch me, I, I, I like football, right? I'm a Steeler fan, okay? I'm a Steeler fan, okay? I will be rooting for the Eagles, they're my adopted team, all right? I'll root for the Eagles in this Super Bowl. People watch me and they said, Pastor Dave, you get very excited about football. You get very excited about football. And I'm like, listen, if you knew me, I get excited about everything, okay? If I beat my kids in tic-tac-toe, I'm doing laps, okay? I'm excited. I'm easily excitable, right? I watched the Steelers in my lifetime win two Super Bowls. Very exciting. I got very excited about that. Oh, yeah, dancing, jumping around, you know, all those different things. That pales in comparison to seeing somebody go from death unto life. That's not even close. That's laughable. That's nothing. That's a one and that's a 10 seeing somebody come to faith in Jesus Christ. I am addicted. I'm addicted. I have dedicated my entire life to this. Why? Because I have seen, I, I, I've seen what happens. I've seen that there is righteousness, that there is good, that there's a difference. I want to make a difference. We all want to make a difference. I truly believe that. Legacy is so incredibly important. And the older that you get, the further that you go. Oh, legacy, massive. It's massive. Fill your life with the things of righteousness. Go and do the good works which were prepared in advance for you to do. And the sin stuff, and I get it, and it's pervasive, and it comes around at two o'clock at night when you're depressed and upset and broken. Establish, listen, do whatever it takes 
Do whatever it takes to surrender your heart to Jesus. Even you can go find an accountability partner. Go find a spiritual authority in your life. Like I had a student that I was meeting with one time, and he said, "I'm so caught up in all this stuff and all these things on my phone, and it keeps getting me in trouble." I said, "Chuck it off a bridge." And he looked at me like I was an alien, and I said, seriously, I'm not kidding. I mean, Jesus said, cut off the hand, right? Pluck out the eye. And we're like, oh, that's clearly a metaphor. You can throw these things away. Some of you want to. But like, whatever it is, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Distance yourself from it. Because the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. It's always going to bring about death. Clearly, I don't know how to use a microphone. Do I need to do something different? I don't know. We'll see. Technology always fails me. We need to fill our lives with righteousness. And we need to surrender. The gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that, yes, listen, surrendering the old man, it's hard, it's not easy, it's not natural, right? Like, we want what we want. We want to do what we want. We want to be what we want. We've got all sorts of plans and aspirations, and maybe they may, it may not be sin, but it's like, it's what we want to do. But we are called, the entire life of a believer is one called to surrender. To surrender to things that hinder, the things that pull us away. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that Jesus surrendered all for us so that we could surrender. You know that. Listen, Jesus, who was and is God, in Matthew 26, in his Prayer in Gethsemane. You can see it in his words. Jesus is praying right before he's going to the cross. He's in absolute agony. And he prays, Lord, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Lord, if there's any other way, Father, if there's any other way for mankind to be saved, let this cup pass from me. Do you know what was in the cup? What was in the cup? The cup was filled with every single sin ever committed. Every single sin ever committed. 
Was Jesus going to the cross? Yes. Was the cross the most horrible, terrible, reprehensible way to die? Absolutely. Like, I wrote a paper on this in college, like, understand biologically what is happening to a person when they are nailed to a cross. It is a long form of suffocation, which is, by the by, one of the worst ways to die. But it is absolutely humiliating. It is unbelievably painful. Your body is broken and rent and torn in the most terrible physical way known to man. And that wasn't the worst part. Because Jesus was going to take that cup full of all of the sins, all of our junk, all of our addictions, all of our stuff, and he was going to drink it down. And it was going to be as if he had done those things. As if Jesus was the worst thief. As if Jesus was the worst adulterer. As if Jesus was the worst murderer he was going to take all of that on himself i can't even fathom that but jesus surrendered all in the last line of his prayer he says not my will but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. Father, I will do it. If I could have the communion storts prepare, and we we're gonna go into a time around the Lord's table right now. Jesus, Jesus established communion for us for various reasons, not the least of which is we are a forgetful people. We forget and we forget very easily. We forget very easily. And this is a reminder, Jesus says, when you come together, do this in remembrance of me. I'd ask that you would hold the elemental all have and then we will partake together. But Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. That night in Gethsemane, Jesus surrendered. Jesus surrendered all, literally his entire life, physically and spiritually. He gave it all. And you see, Jesus, what does this represent? The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken, was torn, was rent for you and for me. Because there was no plan B. Understand, there was no other way. There was no other way for man to be saved. There was no other way for this to happen. Jesus 
had to pay the debt that we could not pay. We accrued a bunch of death debt because the wages of sin is death, and we've been accruing that our entire lives. We came out of the womb selfish and sinful. And we've been accruing, and we've been accruing, and we've been accruing. But the good news, the gospel is the good news. There was one time I asked my kids, what's the gospel? They said, it's a type of music my grandparents listened to. (laughs) And while that may be true, the gospel is so much more than that. The gospel is the good news that you need no longer be dead in your sin because somebody paid the debt, and that was God himself made man. He took flesh. He paid the debt. He drank it down. And he calls you mine. You see, Rome, they had slaves. They were terrible slave masters. But when we submit ourselves to God, when we take up his yoke, being slaves to righteousness, He doesn't say, go figure it out on your own. Go struggle and mire in it. But no, his Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and sanctifies us and sets us apart. And he lifts us up when we fall down and he forgives us and he says, you are mine. And he changes our identity. He changes our identity. Our identity used to be Sinner, but now he calls us saint. We used to identify with our sin and make that the primary thing, but now we identify with Jesus. And I say boldly, I say proudly that I am a slave to righteousness. I am a slave to righteousness. I fall short. I mess up. But he has changed my perspective. And now it's all about him. It's all about him. As we take this bread... May we never forget the price that Jesus paid. What was done to his body, the brokenness. He paid that debt for you. He paid that debt for me. The body of Christ, broken for you. You may not partake. blood of Christ shed to wash away your sins. This is one of the greatest symbols of surrender I've ever seen. Jesus surrendered it all. 
so you can be made new. And as Rome was an advancing empire that trampled all peoples and took all sorts of captives, understand that we have a king who is going forth. A king who is bringing people in to the family of God. Enlarging that family and making stories. It's my prayer that you'd be part of those stories. That we here at Grace Church, that we would be part of those stories. Not for our own glory, but for his. He is worthy. Only he is worthy. Blood of Christ shed for you. Jesus, I thank you for your surrender. And I thank you that your surrender makes our surrender possible. Lord, you are good. Change us and use us for your kingdom's sake. In your precious and glorious and mighty name, in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Hosting for this podcast has been brought to you by Anchor from Spotify. Our intro and outro song is Creative Mind by Ben Sound. From all of us here at Grace Church, thanks for listening.